think I might have that in my right arm. Would you say natural sco- scoliosis? I might have so the scoliosis of the spine. I might have that. <laughs> the Kembe goes through um, different different stages of, of physical trauma. I mess so. around and go on WebMD way too much. Yeah, he currently he self-diagnosed way too he much. He has self-diagnosed himself with a super tight psoas as of lately. Best. He you. thinks it's it's truly Perfect the source segue. of all of his. Perfect segue. Yeah, go ahead. I've been doing some research. Oh, here right. we go. It is impossible to anticipate where the two monsters which suddenly appeared in the Atami area will attack next. If your power goes out, remain calm. In three, two, one, we gone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 63 of the First Sip Podcast. Today, we have with us Doctor of Physical Therapy, Stephanie Hansen, who is the owner and founder of Foundational Movement Physical Therapy, which is located in Power Build in King of Prussia. Um, I met Steph at the gym myself because she works on site, which is, and she trains on site, which we're going to talk about. Um, but before we dive into that, Steph, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. This is the first podcast I've ever been asked to uh, Let's do it. No, here we go. Yeah. So uh, we start every episode as we told you about which what you're sipping on. So what do you got for today? Today I have the strawberry hibiscus uh, margarita style truly. It's quite good. Is it, it has the aftertaste of fruit roll ups. Wow. Nine out. Of, what do we got out of ten? Ranking out of ten. Ooh. Nine, nine out of 10. Wow. I think I like something I, the truly margarita pack is, is quite good through all four of the flavors. Sometimes with those variety packs, the one of them is kind of a dud. This one solid all the way through. Are you, are you a seltzer person like overall? So would you consider yourself like a seltzer sommelier where you're, (laughs) where you're comfortable with that nine out of 10? No, uh, I am. I enjoy them, but I enjoy uh, beer, tequila, vodka, basically most things. Oh, nice. And seltzers. Seltzers are just, now that it's warm, it, that's just the time for seltzers. Yeah. It, it is that time again. It, it was almost what? This time last year when we had uh, Alex on, your wife, and she broke down the truth about white claws. Was it? My wife's a dietitian. Yeah, so we, we had her on staff to we, talk about how, because everyone thinks they drink white claws, they have no carbs in them. But my wife was like, the calories come from somewhere, guys. They, they're, <laughs> they, they're coming from somewhere. And yeah. after hearing that flavor, I might have to try that one. That sounds pretty good. You would like that. It is good. You know, what was it like strawberry hibiscus? Mm-hmm. Mm. I like the drinks like that. You do. Make you, you, like feel, a little, make you feel a little crazy. Uh-huh. You never know. Uh, what are you sipping on today, Dikembe? Well, we got our uh, viable tea in this week. Yes, we did. And man, I'm starting off with the, what's the flavor here? Spicy ginger. Mm-hmm. It, it lives up to its name. Yeah. We talked about it on our last podcast, folks. We do have a um, discount code on uh, drinkviable.com. First sip 10, you get 10% off your order. The stuff yeah, is good. Listen, he after, wasn't lying. After my first sip, let me have I'm one happy more. with here, what here we, we did. Go, here go we ahead. Go. Mm. A little ASMR there for the people. Mm-hmm. Listen, okay. First off, it comes off nice and sweet, right? Mm-hmm. The spicy, so ginger. it's subtle, and then the spiciness. It does bite. It kind of just bounces around in your tongue there. Mm-hmm. It's it's exciting. It's electric. It is. Dan's on to something here. Dan is. I'm I'm very happy with the fact that we have a code with this company. So it's 200 milligrams of caffeine. Um, I drank mine at 3 p.m. and I'm dialed, folks. I have been dialed for a while. It's like 6:43 now. 
Yeah, I came in and you just had this look on your face. Like you were just ready to do something. Well, I've like, seen Steph train. I was like, what's And she's worked on, on me before. So I'm fired up to have Steph. That's, on. I was like, it's either this drink or you're really hyped for the episode. I so am hyped for the maybe episode. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Steph's going to drop some knowledge. I'm ready for it. Yeah. So, well, why don't we get started, Steph, before we dive into the questions that we had talked about, what made you choose this path? Why are you in the physical therapy world? I have always really enjoyed problem solving. And I've always thought anatomy was really interesting how one thing affected another because the body is the chain and, you know, something's a little bit off on one side, you'll see effects downstream. And I have just always really enjoyed the mental problem solving of physical therapy because the problem sometimes is super, super obvious. And then other times you clear up what you thought was the problem. And then something new kind of pops up and you're like, where did you come from? And why are you here? And then you get to solve that problem. That's pretty interesting. So when did you really like, did you go to, uh, which, which college did you go to to get this started? I went to University of Hartford up in Connecticut. I did that for undergrad and grad school. And I also ran track and field there. Um, so that started my love of sports. Um, and we, so I go through the four years of undergrad, three mm. years of grad school. I applied for their doctoral PT program when I was in high school. Okay. So I kind of had an inkling starting in high school that physical therapy is what I wanted to do. I was very fortunate in the fact that as I learned more and more about the practice of physical therapy, that I continued to like it and want to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I asked, cause I wanted to see like where that, you know, that like, I guess for problem solving really came from. And so it's interesting to hear that journey there. So you said started off in high school and then going to college. Can we talk about the track and field a little bit? Because yeah. I didn't do it in college, but I love track and field. Kevin's a big track guy. Loved it. Nice. loved it. So what, uh, what events did you compete in? I was a hundred hurdler in high school and college, a 400 hurdler in high school and a long and triple jumper in high school. And then I mostly just did the short sprints through high school and college. Do you see my face? Did you really enjoy hurdles? I did. 100 hurdles, not 400 hurdles. There's a reason I did not do it in college. How how far are they spaced for the four? Is it throughout the entire track when it's 400? There's a hurdle throughout the entire track. How far apart Mm -hmm. are they? That's why my face was like that. Uh, It's 10 hurdles spread out over 400 meters. So every 40 meters. Wow. So you're hitting one like what? Every five seconds, basically, Uh, I guess. Yeah, about it, depending on your speed, kind of. That's what I was going to say, right? Like, depending on how fast you're on, like it comes down, like keeping that stride is so important. Well, especially on like the 100 meter hurdles, right? Like it's like step, step, jump, step, step. step. And if you mess yeah. that up, oh my gosh, you're done. So, That's why I just stuck to the sprints. So, I, I so funny you that did. you brought up the track step. A buddy of mine who we've had on episodes before is um, a head strength coach up at U Albany. And mm-hmm. he just, he likes to test himself randomly to see if like he's still up to snuff with his athletes. Oh gosh. And okay. he just ran a 400 the other day <laughs> because he was going to be working a local meet that they were coming to town. The U Albany athletes were going to work. And he ran a 400, he said, for the first time since high school, probably. And he was a football player with me. And he ran it in. It was so bad. Uh, I got to look up the time. I know it, it had to be like a minute and a half. Dude, it was bad. I, it, like, he was so, Steph, what, to rub it in, because he's going to listen to this. What was your time, your best 400 time <laughs> with the hurdles? 66.5 or 66.6 oh, wow. seconds. No, no way. 
No I think way. I <laughs> might lying. have run in You're open lying. 400 in, I never broke 60. I can tell you that. I never broke 60 in the 400. Um, maybe 62 for an open. That is. I don't remember because I really didn't run them in, in after high school. So he ran, so, so he ran it in a minute 13. In mm. minute 13, open for okay, 73 open. seconds. Yeah, 73 seconds. He said, My first half, I was moving in I all know caps. He didn't feel good at the and end. then he said he hit a brick wall. He said, The fastest girl in the U Albany team runs a 55. That's f- yeah. yeah. Wow. So we competed against U Albany in college. Oh, mm. no. Is, is Hartford D1? Yep. Well, oh, nice. they are for now. They will be demoting themselves, which is a whole other thing I do not want to get into. Okay. They will be demoting themselves to D3. Mm. Quite a drop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you only did 100 meters in college then? Yeah. Only did hundred meter hurdles and then a one and a two for the most part. I can't even remember if I ran a 400. So is that what started you on the, the powerlifting journey? Was it track? Yeah. So I competed, um, through college and then once I was done and I'm in grad school, now I'm starting to do all of the, the fun, non-athletic, athletic, regular person things. We call them NARPs. Mm. Um, <laughs> and that's just somebody who didn't do a college sport. We called them, we called them NARPs. And um, so I was then a NARP and I started to just not feel great about myself because I used to be a strong, fast, athletic person. And then I kind of was drinking a little bit more, eating not well at all through grad school. And then I decided, okay, like I want to get, I want to get myself in shape a little bit. So I did some home fitness stuff on my own, start to see some progress, started lifting with my old track coach. Um, and that got me really into strength and strength sports because I I focused more on bench press, deadlifts, squats, even clean and jerk. And then that still wasn't quite enough because I did did competitive track and field for 10, 11 years and now nothing. So I was like, I need to train for something. I can't just do something to do it. It doesn't make sense in my mind. I need a reason to do it. So I decided, well, you know what? I'm strong let me try powerlifting because the barrier for entry isn't too high. It's squat, bench, deadlift done. So I started doing that and started progressing. And I did my first meet in April of 2016. Oh, wow. So you've been doing it for six years now. Yeah. How much growth have you seen in, That's exactly what I was gonna yeah, in the world of powerlifting? Everyone like is all hype around the PR, the PR, the, per, the mm-hmm. personal record, personal record. How much growth have you seen in your PR since you started versus where you're at now? Oh my goodness. Um, I pulled 300 pounds for the first time my last year of grad school. So that was 2006, 2016. I pulled 300 pounds for the first time. Okay. I am... Now, six years later, I have successfully pulled, uh, what did I just do? 424 for a paused single on deadlift. So 124 pounds in, in six years. That's a lot. And, and how much, how much do you weigh? Was it 424? Uh, I think you might've been, I think you might be shorting yourself there, Steph. I think, no, I think I'm pretty sure it was 424. Mm. I wasn't quite, uh, I wasn't quite 431. I'm pretty sure it was 424. Um, Kilos. So everyone knows 
which is real hard for me. Jesus. And what, yeah, real and bad at the gym. And what's the weight class that you're in right now? I'm in the 60 kilo class. So I compete at 132 pounds. I probably walking around at 136, 137 right now. 137 pounds. People, pulling can, can we take a minute? 424. Can folks. we take a minute to appreciate Get that? Get to the gym. Can we take a minute Get to appreciate in the gym. that? <laughs> put, your, put your excuses on the shelf. And what do you, what do you currently, how about the squat and the bench? Like, what did you see the most growth in? Was it deadlift? Is that your thing? Deadlift was definitely the most. Like once I figured out my technique that I'm always kind of finding something, oh, I can improve on that. Oh, I can improve on that just to make it better. Squat, I have never been super great at squat. Um, I, I do squat over 300 pounds, which is, which is still quite impressive. But compared to other girls who are around my weight class, I am at the lower end of good. Like of the elite girls, if we're like talking about elites, uh, powerlifting squatters, I'm more towards the bottom of the elite than more towards the top of the elite. There's, there's a girl, um, she's going to be competing at nationals. I'm going to be competing against her. She's slated to squat 400 pounds. At 130 pounds, 132 pounds. Yes. Bro, did you just hear that? Bro, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta work on myself. You do, you do. I gotta, I gotta and she back. squats to depth. Every rep. I have never seen this girl squat that's, high. That's what I love so much about like just, just powerlifting in general. It's oh, bro. the the combination of the technique and the brute strength and just people be, just being able to put it all together. It's such an interesting thing to see. And when you really understand like how much mm-hmm. goes into it, it's kind of like where you were talking about golf the other day, how it's like fascinating. Yeah, Seeing oh, people yeah. do stuff like that is fascinating to me because it, it, you make it look so easy, but you know, it's not that easy because one wrong move. Mm-hmm. And then I yeah, one wrong move. And then I got to go see somebody like you, right. To get my whole body. Yeah. In, in, in well, I, I wouldn't say one wrong move. That's, that's one thing I think is, uh, an idea that's perpetuated a little too much in okay. the gym and in strength sports that the body is so fragile where ro- one wrong move and something's just going to snap and go. It's more, most of the injuries that I see are chronic injuries. It's like, I've been, Oh, my shoulder's been bothering me for the last six months. Oh, my back has been really tight for the past, mm-hmm. like, year or so maybe it comes and goes so i see way more of the the chronic like it started as a little bit of something and then it kind of grew more than the i was doing this and then this tore, this snap this broke or this cramp okay so it's more like negligence as opposed to just that one and done uh negligence in how quickly people are addressing things Mm -hmm. but i wouldn't say that because it's it, sometimes it's just bothering them after they do like one thing, but if they stop doing that one thing, it's kind of okay. Or maybe it's bothering for two weeks and then it goes away. And three months later it comes back. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting because I know I've, I mean, we've all had those pains right after a certain workout or something, deadlifts, maybe squats where you might have a certain pain in your lower back. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, maybe it's just a little swollen. Let me throw some ice on it. So mm-hmm. at what point would you say somebody should, take the step to go and see someone like you because it's not, it's not going away or it's coming back on a certain level of uh, consistency. Okay. So if we're talking about something uh, a little, I'll go with back pain to start with. So if it's more acute back pain, you got into the bottom of squat and then you felt some kind of tightening up or you felt a pop or you were deadlifting and felt a pop or something. Movement is going to be your best friend. So you want to find the small movements that you can do that you can still do. If that's bending forward and rocking back and forth really gently, and you can do it without pain, keep doing it. 
the worst thing you can do for back pain is lay down, not move until it completely goes away because everything's just going to stiffen up and tighten up on itself. And then whenever you are required to move, because well, as human people, we have to move around. You'll, you're going to constantly be in pain. And so you're going to constantly want to rest. And then it's just that vicious cycle. So a lot of people in the gym, and I've even had some people come to me, like something happened and they're like, Hey, are you seeing somebody? Can you evaluate me like right now? Mm -hmm. And I have, I've had that availability and time that I can. Um, when you're talking about something more chronic of this has been bothering me for a while, should I address it? If you are feeling that it is starting to be quite recurrent, like every time I bench press, I have shoulder pain. Every time I do overpress, overhead press, I have this pain starts in my shoulder and goes up my neck. If it's repeatable, it's probably something that you'd want to get, get looked at and just see, you know, how easy of a fix is it to fix this? Because some of the things are pretty easy, quick fixes, and it's not necessarily the most long intensive labor of resolving something because the longer you wait to fix it, the longer it's going to take to fix. Mm. And when, when you're, and I've seen you in the gym, I mean, you've worked on me. So I, I was for full disclosure, everyone, I was one of those people that had a flash moment where I needed to, I was so embarrassed to go see Steph. Um, I sneezed. I'm 29 years old. I sneezed and my back locked up. You getting old, man. Bro, that's not true. Like I'm so active. You, you don't stretch. I stay in great shape I and I tell sneezed them. and I, my back completely locked this up. This makes sense. And Steph had that exact same conversation with me. Like it was probably just building up for a while. Mm. And then one thing snapped and sent it over. But what, what are the, like when you, someone comes and sees you, what are like the principles of your practice? Like what, what are you looking to do to help them self-improve? I am a movement-based therapist. So I always am recommending exercises and loading the tissues to improve their output. Um, most of the time it's when, when we're looking at more chronic injuries and overuse injuries, there's some type of movement pattern or motor pattern that is off and repeating that motor pattern is akin to a belt kind of being off of its grooves. Mm. So it's still running but it's off to the side. And so you're getting a little bit more wear and tear on that belt as it's going round and round where ideally in a, in a car, but people are cars. Um, you just kind of shift that belt back over. It sits in that groove and, and moves nicely in people. That's a lot more difficult to do sometimes because we have preferred movement patterns and it's basically how you've been doing anything for your entire life. And it's retraining how to do that movement and the easiest, most common one. So watch my shoulder. When people are reaching overhead, they're coming up and forward like this. So the shoulders moving in front of the body. Whereas when you're doing a gym motion, this is not reaching into a cabinet for a cup kind of thing, but doing a gym motion where you're loaded, you want to be a little bit more pivoty and keeping that shoulder blade a little bit more locked on the back of your rib cage while you're moving so that you're not getting that kind of jumping the track of the belt. Excuse me. Um, yeah, and it's just changing movement patterns can have a very large carryover for clients of just giving little simple cues of, okay, 
like be aware of where the tip of your shoulder blade is and, and control that as opposed to thinking about where your hand or your elbow is in space. There's sometimes a lot of thinking that has to go on and not just do this, do this bicep curl until I tell you you're done. Okay. So, so perfect timing for one of the questions that we both wanted to ask, obviously competing at 132 pounds, deadlifting 424 pounds. What are common mental cues to the lift of the deadlift and the, the bench and the squat? If you, if you want, I mean, I care about all three of them. What are common go one by one deadlift bench squat? What are the mental cues that you're thinking of to make sure you're staying in the most optimal position to perform? So I have recently switched to hook grip for deadlift. It puts my torso in a much better position where I'm able to get more upright in the motion and not being as leaned forward for the beginning of the lift. So that's helped a lot. Hook grip. Hook grip. So the bar is sitting in between, uh, the bar sits here and it presses into my thumb and just my fingers are kind of locking it into place. Are you wraps or raw? raw. So I use on top sets, I I go raw because I want to make sure that in a meet, if I'm pulling a heavy single, that I can tolerate that. Mm -hmm. I want to know that when I grab and lock into that bar, the bar's not going anywhere. But if I'm doing repetitions, I'll put, I'll put grips on just because I don't need to be up my thumbs. I have good grip strength. I haven't, if my hands are locked in and hook, I'm not I'm not losing that bar. It's, it's coming with me. So I just, I'll use grips or straps for deadlift only when I'm doing rep work. Hmm. Another thing that I do is I just try and make myself as symmetrical across the bar as possible. So lining my legs up appropriately, what for my stance at the knurling. And then I check where my shoes are in, in respect to the bar is my left foot maybe tilted a little bit is it rotated too far out? Do I need to pull it in? And then I also check to make my, just my final check is leaning forward and just making sure that I am kind of even over the bar on left versus right. So that my torso is kind of right in the center, um, grab the bar. And after that, it's just go. I don't think too much. Um, I try and think, you know, pull my knees apart and then push push the floor away. Uh, but when you're going, when you're going for max attempts, uh, all you're thinking, at least all I'm thinking about is get it up. Yeah. And then, uh, at that point, it's like just get one fluid motion. We're going to have to make mm-hmm. it when we, when we like clip, clip up what you uh-huh. just said there, we're going to have to coincide the video of me of the shaking. one of you doing the deadlift. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. I'm going to do some things. I said this that is gonna be a video <laughs> we're going to see if the cues are to right. pull some weight. Oh, and, yeah. um, this is going to be good. I think it was actually like four. I think it was like four twenty five, and I was shaking real bad, man, real, is, real bad. You guys are going to like this. Clip. Yeah. Steph's yep. going to like it. Wow. This is going to be fun. <laughs> uh, what about, excited. Um, what about with the uh, squat and bench? What type of mental cues are you looking for when you lock in? Squat. I, I'm usually repeating over and over in my head, just two reds, just two reds, just to not psych myself out. Like, oh no, this is so much lighter than you're actually lifting. Don't worry about it. Um, Some people think lightweight. I just think it's just two reds before I get under the bar. I do my full setup, walk it out. And then before I go to squat it, I make sure to tuck my elbows down and 
and like tighten up my lats nicely. So that's going to keep good pressure through my torso. Um, because I, when I was a less experienced lifter, I had on two occasions where my elbows popped backwards Mm. as I was coming up in my squat and I pushed the bar onto my neck. Oh no. Mm, Yeah. Thankfully it was both in competition and the spotters were grabbed me immediately. So there was no, no injury, no, no, nothing that happened thankfully. But after that, after the second time it happened, I was like, okay, we need to figure out why our elbows are up here and not have them there. Hmm. Okay. So el- elbows locked in, do your walkout. Think that the, I like the idea to think that the weight is lighter than it Light is weight. on who, the bar. Who was, who was I used Ronnie to yell, Ronnie Coleman. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. And what about uh bench? Um, bench, I try and think, so I arch in my bench and, um, and that's just in a safer position for my shoulders and in the sport of powerlifting, the goal is to move the most weight in the shortest distance possible. So since I have a more flexible spine, it's not the most I've seen some girls with some crazy arches. I have a more moderate arch. Um, it puts my shoulders in a really safe position. So I'm less likely to have some kind of shoulder injury and it also raises my chest closer to the bar so that. I have to bring the bar a less, a shorter distance to myself and then press to a shorter distance. So when I'm getting into my arch, I almost think that there's a, a little string kind of right in the middle of my chest that's pulling me up and back. So when I'm arching, the pressure isn't in my low back. The pressure is right here mm-hmm. in my spine. Like pinching your scaps kind of thing and draw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And it's, so if you were talking about like an actual arch, a stone arch, that's where my cornerstone is. That's where the stone that kind of holds all that pressure together is. And I just think, you know, pull this up. And then the next thing that I've has been working for me is I think break the bar. So as if I'm holding the bar here and I'm trying to twist it like that, and that's been helping, um, my right shoulder, because I do have a natural scoliosis and this side does want to rotate more forward. So to combat that, I have to do just a little bit extra work to pull that back and down. And lately that break the bar cue has really helped me pack my lats and keep my shoulders nice and tight so that I can just really efficiently press the bar. Hmm. I think I might have that in my right arm. Would you say natural scoliosis? I might have so the scoliosis of the spine. I might have that. <laughs> Dikembe goes through um, different different stages of, of physical trauma. I mess so. around and go on WebMD way too much. Yeah, he currently he self-diagnosed way too he much. He has self-diagnosed himself with a super tight psoas as of lately. Best, he you. thinks it's it's truly Perfect the source segue. of all of his. Perfect segue. Yeah, go ahead. I've been doing some research. Oh, here right? Okay. So I've been doing some research on different stress-related issues, right? Anxiety-related issues. I also have GERD. So I'm like, okay, "Okay, what might be some other things that might be triggering these things? And I also noticed like I've had a lot of tension develop over the past year throughout the pandemic, right? Throughout my Mm -hmm. belt. So I think, I don't even remember how long ago it was now, probably like six months ago when I was like, yo, I think like my psoas might be extremely tight Mm -hmm. because I know I don't do enough stretching at all. Mm -hmm. And then when I started trying to stretch that area, stretch my hips, I could not believe how tight I was. And I realized it started picking up from sitting in the office a lot too, because I went Mm -hmm. from a job where I was standing most of the day to now sitting six, seven hours a day. And I just got so tense. And like I was telling Albert, like I've been noticing different changes of like breathing, right? Like my diaphragm feels like it's opening up so much more Mm -hmm. in my mind. 
I think it's all in the Holy Grail, known as Soaz. He, so he thinks he's fixed. Am I on to something? Do you think or he's right? Am I completely off? So if you've been noticing improvements in like the symptoms that you're feeling, you're doing something right. <laughs> right. Could be your hip flexors. So, say it so, again for the people to my left. I'm just saying. <laughs> he's probably doing something right. Oh, very nice. Very nice. So uh, a lot of people feel that their hip flexors and psoas is a major issue in what they're dealing with. But when they stretch them, it never seems to resolve their issues. Thankfully, that has not happened for you. Stretching has started to improve how you're feeling. feeling That's good. great. A, there's a significant portion of time when um, you can feel a sensation of tightness, but it's actually weakness. Oh. So since the muscle is weak, it's going to naturally want to kind of hold itself in a more protected position because it doesn't feel like it can do its regular job through its regular larger range of motion. Mm. So it kind of contracts on itself and gets tight. So you feel that feeling of tightness when there isn't actual major length changes in the muscle itself. But from what you're saying, I mean, by all means, add in a little bit of hip flexor strengthening if you like, but if the stretching has started to help you, I think that's probably a great place to start. I've also been working on some glute work too, because you were talking about the weak muscles. I feel super right? attacked and right now. That was my hamstrings always feel so tight. This, and I feel as though she just said, bro, you just have weak hamstrings. Well, this is what, well, that's what the recent, listen, my little side research might be on something like she's saying. And they were saying like, you might also have to work on like tight a little or weak glutes, right? Weak hips. So those are other things that I've been trying to work on strengthening because mm-hmm. once again, like I said, sitting around all the time, those muscles are only getting weaker, right? They're not getting stronger sitting in the chair all day. So thank you for, for letting Albert know. Thank you. Yeah. So you, by, by working on hip strengthening and like, like a little bit of flexibility work, it's, and if you're, if your issues continue to improve, then I think you found exactly what you needed. Mm. So as a doctor of movement, right, Steph, that's just basically what you are. You're a strong doctor of movement. If the, if just the everyday average listener is listening right now, what do you think? Cause they're obviously not just going to walk right into the gym and start to sumo deadlift. What do you, what like foundational movements do you think would be a good place for someone to start to optimize their time? Like what are the basic key movements you would recommend to a NARP who is about to just get started? By the way, I was called that in college and it hit me <laughs> in my core. So when you wow. said that, I yeah, Jordan called me that. Wow. She was our friend on the field hockey team. She called me a NARP within like a week of freshman year. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fine. Um, it's fine. <laughs> like what, what were just like the basic movements that you feel are super important and, and what people should be doing if they want to get going? So squats in any way that you can do them the most efficiently. You know, a lot of people starting out with a barbell, it's, it's too unstable. you got this big, long piece of metal on your back that you're trying to balance at the same time as you're trying to move. So starting body weight, body weight squats. Great. Okay. That's too easy. That's really not getting you a good training effect. Kettlebell, add a little kettlebell, do some goblet squats, and then you can play around with depth. Then you can do the same thing with working on deadlift, learning how to be able to hinge appropriately at the hips without rounding the low back or extending the low back excessively is really is, is a very important movement to learn how to do. And it's definitely something you need to learn how to do before you really start training deadlift movements so that you have the proper movement pattern. And so 
starting to learn how to do RDLs appropriately, Romanian deadlifts, or you could also try a stiff leg deadlift and learning how to master those positions and those different movements set you up for a lot of success. Mm. Mm. So talking about the uh, setup, when did you start setting up for business? Like, when did you get into that? Um, probably the idea had kind of been there since September of 2020. Mm-hmm. So my, my background of how I got here, that's also a fun story. I was a PT in New Jersey. It's where I'm from. It's where I grew up. And I worked for a corporate physical therapy clinic out there. I learned so much, but I also learned the corporate setting was not what I wanted to be a part of. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't allow me to treat the the way that I wanted to treat. I also didn't get to see the patient population I really wanted to treat. And so I ended up getting offered to it for a job in private practice, also in New Jersey. And I worked there for nine months. I absolutely loved it. Uh, just the freedom of teaching, teaching of training, how I wanted with my clients, I was able to work out in the, the, in the office because we had a squat rack. We had we had bars. So I would train there every once in a while. And then our favorite thing happened, COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And we all were sitting there like, oh, it's just going to be two weeks. Oh, it's just going to be a month. Oh, it's just Mm going to be two months. Um, From May, like from March, I, I was still technically an employee from March until June. And then in June, Um, my employer called me and he's like, Hey, I'm so sorry, but I'm going to have to let you go. I can't, I can't keep you on, on salary. And because I don't have as much business coming in as I did. He had some online people, but he wasn't treating in clinic. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I was planning on moving to Pennsylvania to move in with my boyfriend anyway. So this seems like not a bad closing for that getting my license switched over to Pennsylvania was a lot of hoops to jump through. So that was its whole other endeavor. Finally got my license in September of 2020. And then from there started to apply to jobs. I applied to about 20 positions. I heard back from two. One of them was an automated response saying, we have, it, we have received your application. The other one was, Hi, are you looking to relocate to the area? Yes. No response. So I I was looking for jobs from September to through December. Um, And then in January, I sat down with Colin, Colin Whitney, the owner of PowerBuild. And he had been talking about expanding to the new location in KOP for a while. And I sat down with him, had like a little business meeting and was like, Hey, this is what I want to do. I want to open a PT clinic. I'd love to do it in the new gym. And you know, this is, this is my plan and whatnot. He was like, let's go, let's do it. I love it. Go ahead. So then, you know, I have been a part of some of the slowness that has been happening around the gym with construction and leasing and all that fun stuff. But PowerBuild KOP opened in the end of August of 2021. And so I've been open since the end of August, 2021. Mm. 
That is that is quite a story. I was going to ask, yeah. when did you start in, in the, during the pandemic? I was I was like, what a time, what a yeah. time, dude! You got to see Power Build. It it's crazy in there. I mean, I've, I've they have a culture that's unrivaled. Yeah, we've been tapped into the fitness community for we a while. Get Colin and on. Seeing we'll get Colin yeah, on. seeing the buzz that's been building up around there has been interesting over the past. Yeah, year. there's some big names that ro- roll through. Yeah, I mean, like what what better place you know to to link up with somebody and to get business started. So. Yeah. One, one funny thing of you saying it's having a pretty big reach is my old track coach sent me a video of somebody in the gym. Mm-hmm. She did not know that was our, that was power belt. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Oh, Hey, this video, this was funny. Yeah. And I was like, that's my gym. Was it the one on, was it the sports center has shared like three videos of, I don't know the name of the, who's the guy that deadlifts Debo. Dude. Debo, Debo flex. Yeah. He is, I was ask if it was Russell. He's insane. Yeah. He'll just walk up to a bar that has 700 pounds on it and just pick it up. Bro, I believe that's how Russell, that's how Russell is. Uh, have you met uh, Russell or he? Yes, I have. He yeah. is actually probably one of my favorite people. Really? That's not Yeah. True. And so before, so I, I had no, I knew who he was for mm-hmm. many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, he became one of my favorite people in the past few months because he had the collaboration with uh, power build. Mm-hmm, yeah. And in that time I had a, a simple conversation with him where I suggested one little thing, sent him a video and on multiple occasions, he continues to bring up me and the video and shout me out to his entire fan base of like, Oh, Hey, this is where I got those good stretches. She's in, she's in, uh, outside of Philly, you know? So if you're in the area, go, go see her kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's that's the genuine people right there like somebody who he gets nothing out of saying anything about me and he continues to do it anyway and i think those are the those are the kind of people who are like those are good people yeah when you can find people like that it really does help a lot oh yeah what was the stretch what's the stretch (laughs) um so he was having elbow pain Mm. and i like look at the size of him it I was pretty sure it was coming from his lats. So I gave him some lat stretches, a little bit of forearm stretches to kind of open up the forearms as well. Cause as power lifters, everything we do is grip. It's a lot of grip. So we're overworking the flexors in our forearms and sometimes the extensors in the forearms, they get a little bit left behind and you can end up with some discomfort around the elbow with different movements. So I sent him one of my warm up Wednesday videos. So if you go to my Instagram, I have a series that I do on Wednesdays called Warm Up Wednesday, and I have a bunch of little exercises, and there's usually a theme to it. I gotta, I so, gotta yeah. check that out. Warm Up Wednesdays. We can use that to pivot into that's, content. That's catchy. That's awesome. I like that. That's a good content. Like check pivot out right there. Wednesday. Warm Up Wednesday. What's the Instagram, Steph? Foundational Movement PT. And we'll tag that. Make sure we tag Come that up on. too. Yeah. Okay. So we get into the content rack. I got a good one. For what is this it? week? I don't, I don't know if I want to start because I might go for a little bit. So really? Yeah. I could start. It was, it was like good trash TV. We'll, too. Let's let Steph start. And I don't watch a lot of trash TV, but Steph, please go. Yeah, ahead. What's your content rack of the week for us or product? So um, Abbott Elementary. Oh, that's, oh, <laughs> I, think we, I think we might have talked about this one. I don't briefly. think we, I don't did. think we talked about it on the podcast. So, she's so excited about, about it. Please. please Abbott please. Elementary is a, a mockumentary series and it is about a elementary school in Philly. So yeah. it's talking about, so the, the, the main lead, she's kind of this bright eyed, bushy tailed. I want to make the world a better place teacher. It's like her first or second year teaching. She got started teaching in, in, in the pandemic, but they don't really bring up the pandemic at all. They've kind of steered away from it. And, um, 
she's trying to just, you know, do everything with as much as she can. And you have some of the older teachers who've been around who kind of don't necessarily expect change. And then you have the absolutely incompetent principal. Um, and it's, it's a great cast of characters, a great cast of actors. And it's, it's a really good, easily bingeable show. Yeah. Where do you watch it on? Hulu. Mm-hmm. Is she like a just day type? Bro, it's teacher? so funny. You say, I was going to say it takes like, if you were to combine with like new girl with kind of like some of the humor of like an office kind of like cast, it mm. is. And almost like an always sunny in Philly. It's, it's a perfect, like it's, it's funny. Yeah. It, it has, there is one character who like, you could definitely see her like showing up in an episode of mm-hmm. it's always sunny mm-hmm. and you'd be like, yeah, she fits in. She hundred percent fits in. Yeah. Yeah. They, they did good with that one. What you got for us this uh, week? Bro? Yeah. So, so um, you know what? I'll save this other one. So I, I have two, but I'll save one just because you know, okay. sometimes I fall short. So okay. I'll save it for next week. So I know I got one loaded I'll in like the chamber. This. Okay. Um, it, the final table on Netflix so Ooh. bro have you watched it yet final table or chef's table the final table okay. it's called yeah. kembe has a culinary background yeah. by the way stuff um yeah he can cook um Throw down <laughs> so it is nine teams of two mm-hmm. best chefs throughout the entire world and they oh, are given yes. a specific to, mm-hmm. country that they have to cook a meal that the country embodies and they're given the meal of what they have to cook or like a specific variation of the meal they get three judges if you are in the bottom three out of the original nine, you get knocked off to a knockout round. And then one by one, they get picked off until they get to the finals and you're the best overall mm-hmm. judge that sits at the final table with nine of the world's most renowned judges mm-hmm. from all um, chefs from all around the world. Dude, when you talk about like an enthralling cookie sh- cooking show, mm-hmm. it was like American Idol meets chopped on steroids. And it, it was the, the stuff that these guys think it's insane. And like the food that you see that they use, um, it, it, like, uh, what was it? You know what a geoduck is? Do either of you guys know what a mm-hmm. geoduck is? It's like this huge clam. Yeah. I thought so too. I think that's, that's, so I think that's it's a like Pokemon. this huge clam that has like this massive leg, dude. It, it just, it, the final, if you're interested in like food and like competition, the final table, I got to check that Netflix. Out. It was awesome. It was I, 10 episodes. I, it's probably a spinoff from like chef's table. What are you going to say? Steph? I won't lie. When you said geoduck, all I could think of is geodude and psyduck somehow like mashed together. Thank, thank you. That's exactly what I was <laughs> I think it's called. A geoduck. I, I was you like, like I was like, he definitely just said a Pokemon's name. I was like that. Is straight out of Pokemon. yeah, Pacific, all right, all right. it's a Pacific <laughs> Geoduck. You guys got to look up a picture when we get off these things. Yeah, yeah, I gotta, I gotta check that out. Mm-hmm. I gotta check that out. That's pretty funny though. But um, I think that might now I want to go on one of those like pod, uh, not pod, uh, Pokemon mashup things where you t- like you select one Pokemon, yes. you select the other Pokemon, and it mashes them the two together. You get a Geoduck. I want to see what a Geoduck would look like. That's we got to do that. Oh, that's a good real. I'm gonna too. get somebody to chop that. Up. Yeah, that, that'll be pretty <laughs> fun. <laughs> That uh, but I think that might be um connected to Chef's Table too, and I wouldn't be surprised if those top chefs they have judging are the ones they had on Chef's Table. If you like that show, you have to watch Chef's Table. I will. I'm all it in. It is incredible. I couldn't believe how yeah. how cool it was to watch the way that these dudes cooked. I, I was Insane. I was saying I was saying that to my brother the other day. Like the the ability people have to sit there and look at ingredients, you know, right in, in front an hour. Of exactly. Like you sit there, you look at what you have in front of you, and you say, okay, what can I create? Mm-hmm the amount of ideas that they have in their mind that they just, the things they come up with. Yeah. The way to balance and it's, like, it's, and it all tastes good. Dude. Have you ever seen anyone in your culinary experience? Like before they make a Turkey or a steak, cover it in mayonnaise. Yeah. 
is that like a thing? These guys covered their turkey breasts. Yeah, for like just for like mayo before they to lock in moisture. I mean, like when you think of like what mayo really is, right? It's just the oil, oil. and like egg and egg yolk mixed together, right? So I love mayo. some people might like call it as you know, well, side, we could have a whole food podcast here, right? Sure? But people can you might see it as uh, an aioli, right, or different things like that. So that's basically what it is. Sometimes just a different base to get things to yeah. stick. Yeah, it, it's right. it's like it's it's fat and oil, so and eggs, so it's gonna make the skin of the turkey like nice and crispy, yeah. but without overcooking it because you're keeping it moisturized. I feel they did that on the final table. Try that out. You would like that. I would like that. I love mm. mayo. <laughs> What's yours? What's your cut there? I think you guys are going to like this one too. Okay. Selling Tampa. Mm. <laughs> Wait, have you guys, you guys reacted like, you know what I'm talking about? I just watched the trailer. So I have, I haven't watched it, but I, I know of the franchise that mm. it's coming from. Okay. Like the and sunset and everything. I yeah. haven't watched selling sunset yet, but I was like, you know what? I need a good show to watch real quick. So I put it on. Next thing you know, Bert, I got one episode left. It's TV mature too, isn't it? Like it's, they're they're cursed. I got one episode left. Oh yeah, these women go at it, but yeah. they're bosses. I mean, they sit down. Okay, low backstory. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's a story about Allura Realty, right? It's a group of well, like six or seven women, six or seven black women down in down in Tampa, Florida, and they have a brokerage and they just sell left and right, right? Multi million dollar listings. I'm talking commissions that are all in six figures. Wow. So listen, hey, any of the ladies down there, if you're listening, if you want to partner up sometime, let me know. Dikembe Smith, hit me up. I'm here. Okay. <laughs> but the business that they do is crazy. And when they really go at it, they go at it. Oh, you dude, mean, this is probably motivating for you. Oh, it's show. motivating, but it was also really good trash TV too. Hmm. Like you thought it would have been all about the business, but man, there's some drama in there. Whereas people just throwing each other under the bus, somebody else trying to leave and open up their own brokerage. Right. Um, I might have fallen in love with somebody from the cast. You know, I have that problem. You should reach out. I'm, I'm definitely going to reach out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to figure out a way to reach out. Yes, but but Steph, if you got any tips for me, let me know. OK, because I'm going to send out. So I'm going to send this out. Mm-hmm. But Bert, check this out, Steph. Check it out. Because if you've seen Selling Sunset, if you've seen Selling Sunset, you like Tampa. this one. Selling Tampa. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. OK, well, excellent. With that all being said, Steph, do you have any final notes or anything you want to leave the people with? Um, see a PT sooner, even if it's just for a little like checkup visit, um, most, uh, all 50 States have direct access, meaning you can go to see a PT without a referral. So you don't need a prescription. Some States also depending on your insurance, but across the board, you can walk into a PT clinic and if they have the availability and turnaround time, you can be seen that day or the next day. Mm. Um, so get seen sooner than rather than later because a small problem is easier to fix than a big problem. And it takes faster time too. Mm. That's really good to know. That is. Might have to stop by sometime. You might have to swing by power. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely will. Oh, yeah. I'm going to put everybody on. I mean, I, I mean, I, I had to see her because I sneezed. So I'm sure I'll be back. Listen, everybody needs to stretch so ass. They do. Just avoid coughing. Just avoid coughing now. Yeah, yeah. nice. <laughs> uh, good. Yeah. Well, Steph, thank you so much. It was truly. Thank a you guys so much for having me. Yeah, we really appreciate this it. Fun. This was a blast. And as always, everyone, enjoy the first sip. <laughs>